If you're a last-minute gift shopper, then Instacart is your holiday rescue app this season. No more tracking packages, no more trips to the post office, and no more Christmas gifts arriving in February. Instead, you can just download Instacart to order gifts like beauty, tech, and gourmet goods from local stores and get them delivered in as fast as one hour. Plus, right now, you'll get free delivery on your first three orders. This offer is valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Must be 21 plus to purchase alcohol where available. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be previewing the 2022 Syracuse basketball team and about a loss to Florida State in football. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and we are thrilled as always to be joined by Syracuse.com's Mike Waters. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great, Wes, and it's always good to talk to you too, especially for this uh, annual event because it means we're we're on the uh, we're on the verge of basketball season, right? Yeah, Mike, definitely my favorite time of year, and one of my favorite podcasts to be able to speak to you. And we'll get you started on this one. Syracuse basketball practice is underway. You've had a chance to speak with Jim Beheim, the assistant coaches, a couple of the players. What are your general observations from these interviews? They low key liked the group that they've put together. Uh, I, I don't know that Syracuse is is really um, on the national radar yet. Maybe just on the cusp of of top twenty five every once in a while if you look around. But um, Jim seems to like the experience of this team. Uh, and again, you know, some of the experience are you know guys that have been in the program for a while, like Buddy Beheim, Joe Girard, Barama Sidibe, even Jesse Edwards is a junior now. But he's also in, in conversations with and pointed to the experience of the new guys. You know, he's brought in three transfers. But, you know, the transfers are, you know, Cole Swider from Villanova would be a senior, is a senior this year. Jimmy Beheim is a grad transfer with three varsity seasons under his belt. Simir Torrance comes in as a junior, having played two years at Marquette. So, you know, he, he likes the experience that those guys bring. It's not the same as bringing in a freshman uh, who's new to the college game. So, I, I, they they kind of quietly like the, the way the roster has come together, and whereas a lot of folks on the outside are looking at the losses, which is common, you look at immediately like who you've lost. You know, the coaches are looking at who they're working with every day in practice, and I, I think they kind of like what they're seeing. You just talked about the experienced guys, but I also want to touch on one of the new guys. Benny Williams is the first five-star recruit to come through Syracuse in quite some time. There's a lot of excitement about him. Is that excitement justified? Well, we'll see. Um, you know, some of these guys, you know, a freshman comes into college and you can be fairly highly rated, top 25, top 30, somewhere in there. But, you know, you, you, your game might need some, some adjustments. So you're, you're, it's a jump to the college level. We'll see where Benny is. Uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure yet if he's at a level where he's contributing huge minutes right away. 
which is fine because you've got veteran forwards, uh, Jimmy Beheim and Cole Swider, around uh, to take up minutes. Um, you know, it's really hard to say with Benny. The, the one time I saw him, you know, in a national-type competition with other, you know, similarly highly ranked guys was in the Allen Iverson game in Memphis last spring. But he was sort of nursing an injury, and to be honest, he didn't play that well in that game. So was that a sign that, okay, you know, maybe he's not going to hit the ground running in college, or maybe it was a sign, you know what, he was just he had a bad bad leg and uh, just couldn't really go that day. Um I've seen a little bit of video of him from practice. Man, um, the athleticism just jumps off the charts. Uh, the, the coaches, I talked to Red Autry, who coaches the forward group. Uh, he's really pleased with where Benny is right now. Again, it, you know, I, I said, well, I think we have to wait and see. Now, Syracuse has a brutal early season schedule. So don't be surprised if, if Jim Beheim thinks Benny needs a little bit more time to be ready. He can't give him as much court time as you normally would because you're going to be going through a gauntlet of three games in the battle for Atlantis, followed by games against Florida State, Villanova, Georgetown, uh, Indiana here at the Dome. So, um, you know, basically we're going to get about five outings to see where Benny is. We're going to get the two exhibition games and those first three non-conference games at home before they go down to the Bahamas around Thanksgiving. So between those two exhibitions and three early games, We'll know then where where Benny's at, but I tell you what, long this kid is going to be very good. Uh, he is, he can jump like crazy. He's I I don't he's not super skinny like you've seen some recruits recently uh, or in the past. Uh, he, he's got a good frame on him, so I, I think eventually he's going to make that forward group look really good. Let's move from the forward to the centers. Barama Sidibe has been hurt the last few years, and Jesse Edwards continues to improve. Who do you think starts at center? I could see them going with Barama as your starter just because he has the experience there if Barama is physically ready to go. But I think the bulk of the minutes are going to have to go to Jesse Edwards. And I am admittedly a big flag carrier for Jesse. <laughs> and have been for a while now. I love his length. I love his uh, agility. Uh, he, even last year in limited time, you saw the difference that he made inside that zone. He gave them a big shot-blocking presence that they just haven't had in a while. Barama is a very good defender, I think, in the zone. He's not a shot blocker. Uh, Marek Dolajai tried his best. Played his, you know, played his heart out in there at 195 pounds at center, but you know it, he's a forward. He was he was out of position the entire year last year, and he's he, so he really wasn't a great defensive presence, and he certainly wasn't a real shot blocker. Jesse can block shots, and he deflects cross court passes, and he allowed at times last year when he started getting more minutes down the stretch, and it really was remarkable to see him get more time in those late-season games. I mean, I, I can just right off the top of your head, I can tell you, in the first 20 games of last season, he had DNPs in 10 of them. He only appeared in 10 of the first 20 games. And it was mop-up duty or emergency duty and, and, and very sporadic playing time and minimal. I think it was about four, four minutes a game or so on average. In the last eight games of the year, and remember, we're talking about critical end-of-the-season games including five in the postseason in both the ACC and NCAA tournaments, 
Jesse plays in every single one of those games and averages almost 15 minutes a game. Now, a lot of times, you know, somebody coming off the bench 15 minutes a game, oh, wow, you know, that's not a whole heck of a lot. Well, it really was for Jesse. It was just a stark contrast to the first 20 games of the year. And all of a sudden, the forwards aren't having to pinch in as much. And and remember, at at parts early in the season, we were – Everyone's like, um, oh, the other teams are getting the ball into the high post. The zone's terrible. They're getting it into the high post. You know, Buddy and Joe are terrible on defense and all this stuff. You know that changed when Jesse was at center? Because even though the ball got to the high post, Jesse with his quickness and length could just step out a couple feet and defend the high post well. Uh, I, I, the zone just got so much better with him in there last year that um, I'm really looking forward to seeing where Jesse's at. Now, if he has, if he's improved just a little bit more in the off season, I think he can make them a whole lot better in the middle than they were last year, at least on the defensive end. You talked about veteran experience. One of Syracuse's most experienced players is Buddy Beheim. He was electric in the NCAA tournament last year. Is it fair to expect him to pick up right where he left off? No, that that wouldn't be fair at all. I mean, the way he was playing in the postseason, he was out of his mind, and you know, which was great to see, and it was unbelievable, and it, and it was it was fairly sustained, you know, over the course of the latter part of the year. Now that's the part that you're hoping that, yeah, we're gonna see that Buddy Bayheim for the upcoming season, the the Buddy Bayheim that played over the last. I don't know, 12, 15 games of the year. Because while he was completely out of his mind, as I said, in the postseason, he was already playing much better coming down the stretch of the regular season than he had earlier in the year. Earlier in the year, you could tell this was a kid who was just hadn't had a chance to get comfortable or get into a rhythm on the court with all the COVID stoppages and uh, the, he had to sit out three early games just because he was a close contact. Then, you know, he and Joe Girard and a couple other guys on the team test positive for COVID. You know, Buddy actually had COVID over Christmas. Um, you know, so that takes away his conditioning and his legs. And, but once it seemed like he and the whole rest of the team kind of put things together and got into a rhythm and got their conditioning, Buddy played really well. I don't expect him to go, you know, 31 points against Virginia in the ACC tournament, followed by 30 against San Diego State you know, in the NCAA, followed by another 25 against West Virginia, you know, for an entire season. But if you look at, you know, those games before that leading up to it, you know, he's going for 21 at Duke. He's going for 26 against Carolina. He, you know, 17 in, in, a, in, a, in a big win over Clemson uh, to end the regular season. He can do this. You know, he can do that. Uh, he, he needs, and, and this team's going to need him to. It's going to be tough for him to replicate some of the shooting percentages because he's going to have all the attention of the opposing defenses on him, at least early in the season. You know, so they're going to be coming after him. You know, him finding really clean open shots is going to be a rarity. Um, but he's going to be asked to do this, and I, and I think he showed over the – not just the postseason last year, but over the last month of the season, he's capable of doing this. So what am I saying? I'm saying, you know, you want a guy who's going to like make, you know, make between 37 and 40% of his threes. 
that's pretty high for a high-volume shooter, and, and he's going to have to average between, what, 17 and 20 points a game? Uh, yeah, and I, I think those are reasonable enough numbers that he can hit, and that would be good. The other thing, too, I think can help buddies. Remember that NCAA tournament game where Houston shut the whole thing down? You know, Buddy struggled, everybody, nobody could score. You know, they were setting picks for him. They were setting screens. And, you know, Buddy would come off the screen, and Houston was, would ignore the screener. They're, they're, they're guarding Buddy. They're making, they weren't exactly double-teaming him, but the one guy was staying with him and he can, until he could hand him off to his teammate, and they didn't, really didn't worry about a screener, no matter who it was. You know, so whether it was Quincy Guerrier or Marek Dolajai, they're like, okay, if he tosses the ball to him, it's not like we're going to worry about those guys. If Cole Swider is setting a, a screen for Buddy out at the three-point line, and a team tries to do that again, well, Buddy can drop that ball off to Cole Swider, who's a 40% three-point shooter, with a quick release. You know, Cole was going to make that, that other team pay, where Marek didn't even take threes, and Quincy, if you look back at it, in ACC play, was a 23% three-point shooter. I love Quincy to, to death. I mean, I loved him. You know, he played hard. He gave them what they needed, you know, a great rebounder and all that. But when other teams really zeroed in on, on, on that offense last year, there were times they could shut it down. Houston shut it down. I don't know if that would work against this, this team that they're going to put out there this year. You know, because even a Jimmy Bayheim is a pretty decent three-point shooter. And it's six foot eight, six foot nine, can come out, set a screen, roll off of it. He's at least a better three-point shooter than either Quincy or Marek. So, you know, I think they've, this might be a way that offensively they're going to be able to counter some teams. And, Mike, we'll get you out of here on this one. It's your ninth year coming on this program, and each year I ask you this question, and I ask because you're always right. You watch a lot of Syracuse basketball over the years. Does this look like an NCAA tournament team to you? I love you saying that, that I've been right in the past, and obviously – You've you've been burning the tapes of our past conversations, so I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no evidence to the contrary that uh, I've been wrong eight eight years running or whatever it is now. Um, this year's team, I'm trying not to like, you know, overcompensate for kind of liking this team a little bit better than some folks nation, nationally are. Trying to kind of temper my expectations. I think they're going to get the start's going to be brutal. And so what you have to do is you can't give up uh, on this team early on. If there's some struggles, because the schedule's unrelenting, and if there's a problem or two and you're not able to work it out within, like, a week, well, you could lose three games and in a hurry. So, you know, provided this team can kind of, you know, muddle through this schedule, get a couple wins or, you know, two or three wins in that out of those six tough non-conference games and take care of business in the others and just get to January 1. I think it, when I line them up against the rest of the ACC, I kind of really do like what I'm looking at. I mean, yes, I know, I know like the, the Carolinas and the Dukes are going to look good again, and, and Virginia is supposedly going to look pretty decent. Although we'll wait and see about the Cavaliers. They suffered some severe losses too. I, I think Syracuse can can go 12-8 and eight against that ACC schedule that they have, and and you go twelve and eight in the ACC as long as you haven't really, um, you know, damaged yourself in the non-conference portion of the schedule. I think you're in the NCAA tournament with a, you know, without maybe being on the bubble this year for for the once for in in, in quite a while. So 
Yeah, I do think it's an NCAA t- tournament team. I think they can do well in the ACC. And, you know, that the thing, the thing that just kind of sticks there and you don't really know how they're going to do is, is that non-conference schedule beginning with the games in the Bahamas. You know, they got to go down Bahamas and win at least one, if not two. They got to, they got to, they'll have to come home and beat Indiana at home because then you're going to be on the road. You know, a true road game at Florida State. Good luck winning there. I think Florida State is one win away from breaking the ACC record for consecutive home wins. Um, you know, Villanova is going to be a top 10 team. You're going to get them at the Garden, and then you got to go on the road and, and play a rival in Georgetown. And you know, frankly, I, Georgetown game's another one that you're going to have to get. You got to be Georgetown on the road. It's not that difficult a place to play. It's a big NBA pro arena, uh, and you're going to have plenty of Syracuse fans there, too, to kind of mitigate that crowd. So I'm excited, Wes. Can you tell with all my rambling answers? I'm ready to go for basketball. (laughs) Mike, we're ready, too, and thanks so much for coming back on the program again. Mike Waters from Syracuse.com. Mike, we love speaking with you. Thanks so much for coming on for the ninth straight year. Enjoy the college basketball season. We'll speak with you soon. Thanks, Wes. You, too. Amazing stuff from our great friend, Mike Waters. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, Syracuse dropped a critical game at Florida State on Saturday, 33-30. to Just too many mental mistakes and a disappointing loss. What were your general thoughts on the game? Well, disappointing is certainly the word, but I'm going to try to look at this from the glass-half-full side of it because... I was encouraged by other elements to the game that I saw that I think are really going to benefit the team for the rest of the season. First of all, the defense has just been excellent all year. And sure, there were lapses in the final sequence, the final drive in which Florida State got uh, the game-winning field goal. And, of course, the big talk uh, immediately after the game among Syracuse fans, the, the missed call, the missed holding call. But I've always said this about officiating. <laughs> They're going to be missed calls in game. It's in games. It's the human element. And even if that holding penalty late was called against Florida State, doesn't mean they're not going to win that game either in regulation or in overtime. So it's disappointing that you know officials miss calls, but that that's part of sports. That's going to happen, and you certainly can't just focus on that. There were other elements to you know the defense giving up some big plays at inopportune times. But overall, really encouraged by the pass rush this year, the play of the linebackers, we talked about it, and the play of the secondary. So that was encouraging. Second thing is, you know, Garrett Trader's the quarterback of this team. He's settling in now. He's only going to get better at running the offense. So that's a positive. The running attack led by Tucker has been great so far. But the other side of that is really have to get the passing game back in order. Uh, Taj Harris leaving, you know, leaves one less player, but there's still plenty of talent at the wide receiving core for this team. And also, you know, they had the right idea with the, the pass to Mang, the tight end that missed in the end zone. Love to see more play calls like that. Really love to see more wide receiver screen plays. Let them get the ball in their hands and see what they can do because there's no real lightning speed of a vertical passing game on this team. And I really think that's critical in college football. You have to stretch the field, certainly to open up the the, the running game. Also, uh, not as encouraging has been the special teams play this year. Trevor Pena has done a pretty good job in the returns, 
But Andre Schmidt's been uncharacteristic in missing field goals and the extra point against Florida State. Like to see that getting straightened out and also like to see the punting game get straightened out. We never got an explanation as to why first-team punter James Williams did not make the trip, put Hawkins, the backup punter, in a tough situation. That position has to get much more consistency as the rest of the season goes. So certainly disappointing with the final result, that being a loss. But at the same time, Wes, I'm encouraged by what I see in this team through five games. I thought they'd be 3-2, and 0-1 oh after the first ACC game. So I'm not surprised from a record standpoint. And I really am encouraged with what I see stepping it up here now week after week through the final seven games of the season. Ah, uh, the final seven games of the Syracuse football season. A perfect segue into my next question for you. They're 3-2. and two. They got seven games left, as you just mentioned. Plenty of football left to go. How do you see the rest of the season playing out? It's really simple to me, Wes, and I wrote about it in the Orange Watch column this week. Have to win in the Dome. And the more fans that turn out is only going to be better uh, other than season ticket holders, diehard fans, and the great turnout from students this year. Because I mentioned a couple weeks ago, with the new permanent roof, it really holds the noise inside. So even a crowd of 20, 25,000, it sounds loud in the Dome, and that is a distinct home field advantage. So Syracuse has to win its home games. As I wrote, they're just 7-28 and 28 in the ACC away from the Dome. Have had trouble under both Scott Schaefer and Dino Babers winning ACC road games. So it's really imperative to win at home. So it starts with Wake in the game coming up this weekend. And then six days later, Clemson coming off not playing a game this weekend. So that's going to be interesting. But the common theme I see uh, for, for the rest of the season is the opposition's quarterbacks that Syracuse is going to have to shut down the rest of the way. Wake Forest has Sam Hartman, and I think he's right up there with Kenny Pickett as the top quarterbacks in the ACC so far this year. We know about the lore of DJ Oliankalale for Clemson coming up in the, in the game uh, on October 15th. Braxton Burmeister's played very well for Virginia Tech. That's going to be, again, a tough road assignment coming up in three weeks uh, against the Hokies. Uh, Dennis Grossell is filled in uh, admirably for Phil Jerkovic at BC after he got hurt. Didn't get them enough points in the loss to Clemson last week, but he stepped in and played pretty consistently. Malik Cunningham in Louisville, we know what he's done to Syracuse the last two years in road games down there. Uh, he did get banged up against Wake Forest last week, but he's really a dangerous a run-pass option quarterback for the Cardinals. Devin Leary of NC State has the kind of physical stature that he could look like to be a pro quarterback one day. He's had a very good year for the Wolfpack as they've, you know, had a great season so far, having defeated Clemson. And then I mentioned Kenny Pickett of Pittsburgh in the finale, and Pickett had the most starts of any quarterback coming into this season for the ACC and he's been lights out passing the football. So the common theme in the remaining seven games, got to win at home. Four of the seven games are in the Dome, and you have to shut down really talented quarterbacks on the opposing team to try to get to six wins and a bowl game. And Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. I know we've had a basketball theme with Mike Waters being on the podcast today, Wes, and just 22 days as we record this until the – First exhibition game on the 27th against Pace. 
So curious minds want to know, is this going to be a year where the coaching staff returns to the jacket and tie look, or are they going to stay casual? I think it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see how the uh, coaching staffs around the country adjust to going back to having fans back in attendance uh, to having casual attire or more buttoned-up attire this season. That's my closing thought. Brad, my closing thoughts are on former Syracuse wide receiver Taj Harris, who entered the transfer portal over the weekend. In 37 games with the Orange, Harris finished with 151 receptions for 2,028 yards and 10 touchdowns, but his talent was at times overshadowed by his extracurricular activities. Harris was suspended following Syracuse's loss to Liberty last year after he was seen flipping off the television camera, and he didn't travel with the Orange to Florida State. He'll definitely find a landing spot, already picking up offers from SEC schools, Kentucky, and Mississippi State. A change of scenery would probably be good for Harris, and though the Orange will be missing his talent, perhaps they're better off as well without the distractions. That's it for us for Brad Beerman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that I'm a man of my word, and that word is unreliable. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.